Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nothing Owed podcast. As always, we have another awesome episode for you. Uh, in this week's episode, we talk to Ernie Mariscal. He is a, an Army veteran, he is an inspirational speaker, and just an all-around good dude. Um, we had a really good time talking to him, and I know you will enjoy the episode, uh, just like we did. But before we get to the show, we need to talk about our sponsors. As always, uh, Season 2 is brought to you by Modus Nation. Uh, Really, honestly, can't speak highly enough about uh, Ben and Lindsay. They're doing awesome stuff on top of the great clothing. They keep coming out with new designs that are awesome. I really love what they're doing. Uh, but on top of awesome clothing and awesome designs, they are really giving back to the community. They're giving back to charity. Uh, they actually just started a new program called the, uh, the Warrior Program. Uh, just came out, but they're allowing people to nominate people in the community that they feel deserve um, a helping hand. So it's an awesome program. Really check it out. So modusnation.com. Check them out, buy some stuff, help support them and what they're doing because they, they really are giving back as, as much as they possibly can. Um, and I, I really can't speak highly enough of, of what they're doing. So they also were generous enough to give us a coupon code for this season. Coupon code is nothing owed. And that is good at modusnation.com. So please uh, use the code. Tell them uh, you heard you heard us heard them on the show, and uh, get some awesome clothing. Uh, Father's Day is coming up. There's always a birthday, always a holiday coming up. So please uh, please take the time to, and check them out. And also want to mention Winfield Watch. Uh, Winfield Watch is a, another great company that that helps us out. Uh, Mark is a, another another Navy veteran. Makes a great product, great watches. Father's Day is really just around the corner, so get your dad a watch. He deserves it. I know he'll like it. Winfield Watch makes some great stuff. Like I said, I, I say it every time. I was a customer. Couldn't be happier with the service and the product, and that's why they are on board with us, and that's why we had Mark on the show, and that's why they were gracious enough to, uh, to help us out with this season. So please check them out. So uh, with that, I'm going to turn it over to myself, and we will get into our show with Ernie Mariscal. All right. Enjoy, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Nothing Old Podcast. We're back with another great episode. We have uh, Brian and Ben. And uh, on this episode, we have Ernie Mariscal. He is an inspirational speaker. Um, he's an Army veteran, which we had to had to have one of those on because I know Ben was getting a little uh, upset that we had too many Marines on the show. So we finally brought on an, an Army guy. But uh, Ernie has an awesome story. He's a great dude. We've been, we've been chatting for a couple minutes. Uh, he's another another awesome guy that epitomizes, I think, pretty much everything we talk about on the show here. I know you're going to love this one. Uh, super entertaining, just awesome guy all around, but I don't want to give too much away. I'll let him tell his story. But uh, as always, I want to turn it over to Ben so he can uh, tell us what's new, tell us what's going on, and then we'll uh, say hi to uh, Ernie. So, Ben, how you doing? Well, what's new? Good, good. Um, I'll tell you what's new is that we have finally – another army veteran on our show uh cool. you know i'm i'm about sick and tired of all of the the marine corps talk the hoorah we want to hear a hua not a hoorah well so, maybe if the army guys would try a little harder and be a little better people it wouldn't be such a problem so how about that uh, well well all right so that's a good intro to ernie i think ernie <laughs> is is uh is a guy that's the better person he has a great story um you know we've chewed some of the same dirt uh him and i were in 
uh, roughly the same time period. I mean, he was in longer than me, uh, did the full, full retirement thing, but um, chewed some of the same dirt, saw some of the same things and just a tremendous guy. Uh, you know, we'll get into it, but hit, you know, my wife follows him on social media as do I, but my wife every morning is like, Hey, guess what Ernie said today, you know, uh, from his post. So uh, I'm excited. The listeners are going to like this one. Definitely. So Ernie, you're up. How you doing? All right. Tell us your, tell us your story. We're anxious to hear it. Well, first off, I want to say thank you for having me. It's a, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to do these things. Yeah. And you know, the, the first thing I want to talk about is mindset, you know, because I think going into this, you know, we got to have an open mind. And for some, you know, people are like, oh, this is going to be like this or that. You know what? Sometimes we need to take a step back and just listen because you never know what you might hear on here might spark something for you. It might spark like, you know what? He's right or they're right. And you know what? It's going to change the direction for you in life and put you on the right path. You know, yeah. And that's just, you know, hey, if you don't like my face, <laughs> which you can't, I mean, just look at it. I'm kidding. <laughs> but it's just, you know, all about taking in and whatever you don't like you know cut it away but learn from everybody good and yeah. bad you just so you just uh you just outlined the whole point of of what brian and i are trying to do here that yeah you're not going to like every bit of every minute of every episode but we're hoping that the guests we're bringing on can give you some tidbits that you can pull out and make a change in your life that's it period that's why we're doing this that's why you do what you do you know it it it's not for everybody on every episode, you know, I'm sure most people don't like to hear all the Marine stories, but you know, they'll probably <laughs> get, <laughs> well, I mean, it's uh, mainly with crayons and stuff, you know, I know. Oh my God. bunch of weirdos. No, no. I mean, all joking aside, you just, I mean, you literally just, you know, outlined our mission statement. So thank you. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And it's just, like I said, it's how I feel and, you know, I run into a lot of people that love complaining about life. And you know what I always say? I was like, you know what? When's the last time you ever been to a, a burn ward? When's the last time you've been to an IC unit? You know, something to where you can look at other people and say, damn, you know, I am, you know, very lucky or grateful, however you want to cut it and say, man, I have what I have. You know, you got your legs, you got your arms, you got your sight, you got your hearing, mm -hmm. you, you know, you're able to talk, but see, that's the thing. We're ungrateful for the things that we do have, you know, and just don't appreciate what we have. Yeah. And I think every day that we wake up is a blessing. And I, I just appreciate every day. So that's why I have a great day because I know I'm going to have a great day. I wake up knowing that I'm going to have a great day and because I'm appreciative of life I'm, and it's a, a freaking privilege to be able to be alive. I believe that. And that's why I do what I do. And I love spreading joy and happiness. Yeah, that's absolutely. what it's all about. You know? Well, and tell us a little bit about um, where you started. I mean, um, you know, from your childhood, uh, as much as you want to go into that and uh, uh -huh. what, what, what kind of built you as a young man to one, go in the army and then two, to put you where you're at now in that mindset. Cause you didn't start out with that mindset. You know, you yeah. had to, yeah, you had to go on a journey. So Yes. Tell the yeah, listeners you know, a little about, about that. Okay. So I was born in Texas when I was very young. Uh, we moved to California. Uh, my parents, you know, were looking for work. 
So we moved to a little community, uh, Brawley, California, agricultural area. So my journey started from what I remember at five years old, my mom used to take me to the babysitter. And I remember I would just bawl my eyes out, cry for my mom, please don't leave me here. I don't want to be here, you know? But the thing was, you know, she'd always look at me like, God dang, what's wrong with this kid, you know? But the thing was, I was so embarrassed to tell my mom because I was, you know, be, I was being abused in that household, you know, sexually. And it, it was, you know, I was embarrassed to say anything. I was scared, you know, it was, I was just all these things. I was afraid. I was afraid little kid. I, at five years old, that happened to me. I was like, what the heck, man? You know, it, it was a sad thing. It, it was bad. So, you know, going through that and, you know, my mom and dad were very hard workers, you know, I, you know, I appreciate them very much. And I never told them anything. And so as we were getting older, about seven years old, I had started noticing my dad was drinking heavily. You know, it was, he would get the, he would get stressed out in life. You know, we, we were living in the projects, we were poor and it was four of us. And I know he had to provide a lot. So he would come home sometimes drunk and, you know, he would beat on us, beat on my, my mom. It, it was just sad seeing that stuff, you know, hiding under the covers, pretending you're asleep while you're listening to your mom, you know, yelling for help and stuff like that. And you're feeling helpless because you can't even help. You know, I couldn't help my mom. And it was, it was just a sad thing. You know, it's a lot of trauma. That's already two strikes for trauma right there for me. And I remember as a kid, you know, I just felt worthless. You know, I felt you know, I wasn't good enough. I was too dumb. You know, I just felt all these things I was lacking in life. And I remember going to school. And when I would be at school, I was so aggressive with other kids. You know, I would fight. I would call them all these names. But the thing was, looking back at it, I was trying to bring them down to my mindset, how I felt during that time. Because I, yeah, you know, I was going through all this hell, but yet I never addressed it as far as because I didn't know nothing about this you know hey you know I'm hurting inside so what I did with my pain and hurt and all that stuff was I projected it onto other kids so they could feel like how I felt and I think you know a lot of times I see kids or adults too and, and you know they're very you know assholes <laughs> and there's a reason behind it and I'm not trying to make excuses but what's really the root of the problem Where's this coming from? And looking back how I was acting, that was a problem. I was, you know, letting all that, that was my outlet. And so I was putting my pain onto other people. And eventually when I was about 16 years old, my dad kicked me out of my house and I was living on the streets and I dropped out of school. Why did he kick you out? Um, I don't, I went out late with my friends and I was out partying and okay. being stupid and when I got home, my dad opened the door. He was like, get out of here. And I was like, you know, stop kidding. And I was like, no, you're, you're, I don't want you here anymore. And I was like, holy shit. And I remember walking away wow. and I was like, what am I going to do? It was, and this is late at night. I had school the next day and it was like, what am I going to do in my life? I didn't know. I didn't even know where to go. I was just like walking the streets in the middle of the night. Um, I went to one of my friend's house and he was like, yeah, sure. You can stay here. And, you know, I lived there for a while, a couple of weeks, and then his parents got tired of me and they were like, yeah, hey, yeah, you got to go somewhere else, buddy. So I would go from friend's house to friend's house. And man, so I remember one day I was at a, it was like a crack house and I was so hungry and I was like looking for food, man. I was going through all the drawers and everything like that. I was looking for food. I was like, fuck, I'm hungry, man. And 
I didn't find anything. I saw some milk and I remember I grabbed the milk and I grabbed the cup and I poured the milk in the cup and nothing but roaches came out. I was like, oh, oh. I was like, why me? <laughs> you know? And so I just dumped the milk, went back into the room that I was just sitting there. I remember I was sitting there. And then right when I was like two minutes into it, Doric just kicks open. And there's this guy there staring with a gun in my face. And I'm like, oh, shit, you know, don't kill me. And he was like, where's, where's your money at? And I was like, shit, I don't have any money. You know, I'm broke. And eventually, I don't know, he probably thought I was somebody else. But, you know, by, you know, divine intervention, that guy just walked away. And in that moment, I remember I, I went to another friend's house and I called my mom and I told her what happened. And she came and got me and she took me, I had an older brother and she took me to his house. And so in that moment though, I remember I was thinking to myself, man, what have I accomplished? I was 17 years old when this happened. I was like, what have I accomplished in life? In that moment, I noticed, or I realized, I was like, I ain't done shit with my life. What am I going to do with my life? This is not going to take me anywhere. You know, I remember uh, teachers used to say, yeah, yeah, Ernie, you know what? I, I can see you in prison. I can see you dead at a young age. I don't, you know, don't Teacher, count on a teachers wow. told you that. <laughs> yes. What's yeah, wrong with would... the California school system? <laughs> that, yeah, that's a whole other podcast numbers. in and of itself right there. <laughs> and, and, you know, looking back at it, you know what? It is what it is. You know, I don't hold no grudges or resentment towards anyone. You know what? If anything, it gave me the fire. But I, yeah, so I realized like, you know what? I got to do something. So I went back to school. I graduated. And I, after graduation, I think it was a month. And then I took off to basic, join the army. You know, I great was, choice. Great choice. Yes, of course. Of course. Yeah. The Marines, you know, they came to my doorstep and they were like, Hey, you want to join the Marines? I was like, you know, I could count over five. They're like, Oh, we can't, we don't need you. <laughs> hey, uh, Ernie, uh, your connection's getting a little shaky here. Uh, we might have to uh, <laughs> cut this off. Yeah. They came by and they said, Hey, uh, what's your favorite flavor of crayon? You know? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> so yeah. And so I got to Fort Sill, Oklahoma, and I remember like it was for three days. I had to stay in it was uh, called transitional uh, transitioning barracks. And in those three days, they were just asking me questions like, "Oh, you know, what type of aircraft is this? You know, what type of tank? You know, it was just asking me questions." But real quick, the reason I joined the military is because I wanted to go to Desert Storm, and that was during that time in '91 mm-hmm. or '90. Early was it '90 or '90? It, the war ended in what, 91, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was like 90, 91. Yeah. Yes. So that's what I was like, man, I want to join the military. I want to, you know, go fight. I want to go to combat. So, you know, and I didn't know what MOS to pick or anything like that. I just wanted to go, you know, leave. So they selected or they gave me, uh, I took the test and then they gave me uh, 45 Tango. I didn't even know what it was. I remember I just kept saying 45 Tango, 45 Tango. I don't even know what it is. It was like a big old long sentence, you know, Bradley fighting turret mechanic systems, something. So in these transitional barracks, I'm waiting for the basic training class to graduate so they can get out of there and we're going to move in. And I remember on the last day, they were like, hey, you're, you guys are being picked up. We're, st- we're in formation. I see three cattle trucks pull up. I'm like, what's that? They're like, yeah, that's your ride. I was like, what? Cattle <laughs> trucks? 
huh, are we animals? <laughs> yeah, guys don't matter anymore, <laughs> you know. And I remember those like six individuals just walking with a purpose at a fast pace towards us. And I remember when they got a little bit closer, they were just letting it go. They were cussing. Grab your bags. You better be on the trucks in five seconds. You better act like everything's on fire. You know, they were just yelling. I was scared as hell. You know, I had duffel bags in both hands. I had a duffel bag on my back, you know, and I'm a small guy. And I'm over here trying to run. You know, I'm sweating like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> Getting in the truck, loaded the truck. And then we're all like crunched in the truck. And they're like, when I say look outside, you look out, you know, look towards the outside, you know. And, you know, I'm trying to move and all these double bags are hitting me in the face. And it was just complete chaos that whole day. I swear, I've never been smoked so much in my life. And, and I remember when it was time for me to go to bed, I was like, what the hell did I get myself <laughs> into? And, but it was an awesome time because, you know what, that kid that was so scared that didn't know anything or didn't believe in himself, that in that moment, that's when things started changing. Because when I started going through the training, started learning how to do things, that's when my confidence started coming up. I was like, you know what? I can do this. I can be better by learning. And that's where that, you know, these, everything started coming into to where I'm supposed to be in life. And so I was there for two months, graduated, and I went to Fort Knox, Kentucky, went for AIT was there for six months. And then my first duty station was Fort Riley, Kansas. I was there for three and a half years. And that is the coldest place. <laughs> Not take that back. Second coldest place I've ever been. It was so freaking cold. The wind's blowing. It's like you can wear whatever you want to wear, but that thing's going to cut through your freaking clothes, man. The wind never stops blowing out there, ever. Yes. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, whatever you try to cover, it's going to get through it. It's going to get through it. Yeah. Yeah. And... So from there, you know, it was a very good career. Um, I went from there, I went to, uh, what was it, Fort Bliss, Texas, Korea with uh, Manchus, 1-9 Infantry. I did the Manchu Mile there twice. That was hell. That was awesome, though. It was really awesome to accomplish what, something like that. It what's the Manchu Mile? It's, uh, it's a manly thing. It's a 25-mile road march okay. with a rock, your weapon, and stuff like that. And... It's up that on was, the. It's up at the DMZ, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I was uh, 12 miles away from the DMZ, so we we walked from at we started at 10 o'clock at night and we finished about 10 o'clock in the morning. It was a continuous. Wow. And you you were at Camp Casey. I was at Camp Hovey, which is right next right to next Casey. to Casey. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I was at. It, it was it was man, it, it was a good experience over there. But you know, it was so funny being over there in Korea. Being in 1-9 Infantry, we were next to 2-9 Infantry. Now, as crazy as this sounds, us, you know, all being Army, if 2-9 was caught in 1-9's area, it was a fight. It was like straight up fight. It would be like, who you with? And they would say like 2-9, it would be on. <laughs> it, it was crazy. And this was back in 97, 97, 98. And it, yeah, it, it was like fisticuff city around there. Dude, we always fight with us all dudes, you know? Hey, and, I saw... As, as our listeners know, I was a, I was a scout, and so I was in the cavalry. And when I got to uh, Hawaii, um, it's the 25th Infantry Division, right? And so if you've ever been to Schofield Barracks, they have all these historic barracks. So you have, like, the center of post is, like, the division area. And then each infantry battalion, they have this long street, and it's these quads, right, of barracks. And it's mm -hmm. like yeah. 
like this infantry battalion, this infantry, and, and the cavalry was all the way out at the end, almost to the gate to go off post. That was our quad. And I don't, I wouldn't say every Friday, but on Friday run, we would actually take off the old PT uniforms and we had these red shirts with the cross sabers on them. And we would run from our quad, we'd go to the next one, we'd run through the quad <laughs> at a slow pace around it while while they're all doing pt and if you ain't calf you ain't you shit, ain't shit. if you, you ain't, ain't calf you ain't you shit ain't and that's shit. all we did we jogged at the slowest airborne shuffle all the way to division and we ran in front of division if you ain't calf, there was only one cab unit at the time there's more there now but at the time it was three four cab we had three platoons of scouts that was it and we would fight if they wanted to, we would have fought that whole, every battalion that wanted some, come get some, you know, <laughs> I don't know exactly awesome, what you're man. talking about. Yeah. It was yeah, a blast. Good time, man. Yeah. You know, we had a blast with it too. And it was, it was just very, you know, we were tight over there and I loved it. And so from there, I went to Fort uh, Carson, Colorado. I was in 1-8 infantry. Now, now I understand or I get a lot of, oh, you were just a mechanic. And yeah, I, you know, I, I was just a, another outstanding soldier. That's what I was. But here's the thing, you know, we were always with the infantry and we were training with the infantry. It was just, we did the infantry shit. And so my mindset was, you know, like it wasn't like an infantryman, but it was just, we had that same mentality of we fuck shit up. And so with that, I was there for three and a half years, Carson. And I remember, and it was in August of 2001, I was uh, PCSing from Carson to Fort Hood, Texas. And I got there and I was still on leave. And I was like, you know what? I'm bored. I want to go play Army. So I went and signed in, and they're like, all right, you're going to 19 uh, Cav. So I get to 19. And I remember my sergeant major, old, you know, this guy was old, he was like this old black guy with a cool cigarette <laughs> with a Newport, you know, he's like smoking. And he was like, where are you coming from, pimp? I was like, oh, I'm coming from, you know, Fort Carson, Colorado. He was like, uh, you got shit yet? Your, my TA-50? And I was like, yeah. And then, you know, it was me. I was, a, I think I was a staff sergeant at the time. And then we have a bunch of privates and shit. And he was like, all right, everybody go get your shit. You're, you're going to the field right now. I was like, holy shit, all right, let's do this. What was his name? Because that sounds like my first Sergeant Major. It was Sergeant Major Smith. Oh, Smith. Yeah. All right. My guy was, when I got to Germany, that was the same thing. I had this this old, crusty black dude. Like, when we had squadron runs, he would put his cigarettes, his Newports, in his PT belt. And he would yes. run with a cigarette lit in his mouth around the entire squadron and yell at you. And he was just, he was a mm -hmm. Vietnam guy. He was just like, you know, what? what's the holdup? You know, like, yeah. why are we running this slow? Let's go with the lit <laughs> cigarette. Running through. That's what I'm telling. That's that. See, that's that motivation right there, man. I, I love that shit. And yeah. he was. He, this guy had one lung. He had one operational lung. And <laughs> I don't know the story about how the other one got jacked up, but this guy was. I mean, this. He was. If you were squared away, he was good. Yeah. But if yeah, you yeah. were, you know, you were a dirtbag. This guy would be on you like bad that's and awesome I, I remember he would uh he would make us on uh, like during christmas time he would uh, get the whole battalion together you know officers would be out there and he'd be like all right hey all you officers get out of here 
and he'd, he's that sergeant major, you know, and he'd be yeah. like, all right, you know, it's Christmas time. I want to hear some Christmas carols. You know, just <laughs> we're like, what, are you fucking serious? <laughs> but he was that sergeant major, man, but he, he would always protect. He was, you know, the soldier sergeant major. He would take care of us all the time, and he would smoke the crap out of, out of us. And it would be so cold sometimes for PT. I remember he would show up, and, you know, we're all in our winter gear, and you'd be like, all right, strip him down. Shirts and shorts, shirts and shorts, man. Yep, shirts and shorts. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you know, we had all that frost on our eyebrows and everything. We, he would just smoke the shit out of us. But it was great. Oh, I loved it. So my first day in the field at Fort Hood was September 10th of 2001. Oh. Oh. So that night, went to bed, woke up next morning. I get a phone call. My mom's like, hey, they just uh, – they attacked the World Trade Center. I'm like, what? And of course, you know, we had those little TVs and stuff, you know, and the antennas. And I was told one of my guys, hey, turn the TV on. Bam, that's when the second one hit the tower. And I was like, holy shit, we're going to go to war. We're going to war. And I remember we got uh, the call on the radios, like, hey, all the NCOs to the talk. So we got to the talk. They were like, hey, we're going in, you know, wrap it up. We're, we're all going in. You know, all moments ceased. Dude, that's so we crazy. Get back. I yeah. just told, I just, yeah, uh, cool. on a previous podcast, I was out in the field at Fort Hood at a section level gunnery when 9-11 hit and the same thing. They cease fire, cease fire, yep. lock and clear all weapons, come to the base of the tower. But we didn't have TVs. They wouldn't, we didn't know for three days. They put us out at that airfield out in the middle of the back 40. They put us yeah. out at that airfield. We, I was in fourth infantry division, not uh, first cap. And we, okay. we, we, we loaded up and we were waiting to go. Like for like three days, and then they they stood us down, and we went back to post. That was the first time I saw it too. Was like, what what happened? You know, we're yeah, yeah you know, like wow, that's crazy. We probably ran yeah. into each other at the PX. Probably, brother. Yeah, yeah. I still love going to the PX. I'd smoke the guys over there. Hey, put your, put your head gear on, right, boy. You know? <laughs> I um, love it. Yeah, so we got back to you know back to battalion, and I remember the commander. He was like, hey, you know, prepare for war. You know, and, and it was like, it was just like, man, it was, I can remember it as yesterday. It was just quiet. It, it was, everybody was hurting, man. Everybody was hurting, but everybody was pissed off. Yeah. And I remember I got home. I didn't get home till like three o'clock in the morning, I think it was. And then we had to be back at seven o'clock in the morning. And then it took like, I, I, and I couldn't remember how many hours it's going to get back on post. Oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And so it was crazy. And, and again, so they were saying, Hey, we're going to roll out, you know, they give us a 30 day uh, marching orders. But then I remember they sent fourth ID instead of us. Yeah. Fourth ID went. So I think the 82nd was the first to go. And then I think fourth ID was not too long after that hit the ground out in Iraq. Yes. Uh, but, but first cab, I think relieved fourth ID. Yeah. We I don't, I don't remember. I, who knows? I don't know. I can't remember, but yeah, because we got out there in 2004. Um, we we uh, I think it was I was in Baghdad, but uh, we relieved uh, first 80. That's what it was. Oh Hold yeah, on, first was yeah yeah no no uh, old Ironsides. Old Ironsides. That's what that's, it was. that's what I, I was in old I was in first armor division in Germany. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and I remember that that night man that first night in country it, that that was wild you know 
it was April 1st of 2004, in fact. I remember we were on the back 40, we were in tents while the, you know, the, the guys that were already there, they were in the, you know, the, the barracks or the buildings, hard, hard buildings. So I'm laying there and I remember looking up, I could see through the freaking the tent, the roof of the tent. It was that thin. I could see the, the moon and stuff. And I said to myself, man, I can't believe I'm in combat. This is, this is it right here. And no shit. Right when I said that RPG flew over the tent and it was just, man, he started hitting with some mortars. I mean, it was crazy chaos. And, you know, they were testing us. They were letting us, let's see where these guys are at. But what happened is across the river from where we were at was um, 3-8 Cav. And what happened is that they did, a, a, it, it was like a, they set them up, basically. They put some decoy firefight over here. And the QRF took off. And then they, they had an ambush waiting for the QRF. And they lost like seven guys that night. And in fact, it was that, remember that Sheehan lady that was protesting? Yeah. It was her son that was in that convoy. Wow. And that lost him that night. Yeah, so it was, like, you know, so, so it was just like, man, it was just unreal what was going on. And, and then in that moment, it was just like my whole mindset changed right there. Now, were you on a, were you on a 88? Yes. I, in fact, I was uh, in charge of recovery section. So, so had, for the listeners, an 88 is like, it's basically a tank, but it's a mechanic vehicle with a huge crane on it that can tow, it can go pull the main tanks out of the mud. I mean, yes. they can, you know, it's a recovery mechanic vehicle. It's, Wait, a Rude. it's an M1 chassis, right? Yeah. Just yeah. about the gun? Um, okay. No, no, it's an M60 chassis, isn't it? Yeah, it's old M60. Well, it's, okay. I think it's longer, but it started out as that, I believe. Um, and... So it was 56 tons. So yeah, it's a, it's a big, big it's a big, big, it looks like a tank with no gun on it on the yeah, top. Yeah, okay. It's a huge Jeez. thing. So I, offline, we were talking, I, I promised you I'd tell you a story because you were telling me how, you know, even though you were a mechanic, you enjoyed getting out with the infantry, right? And doing the things. Yes. So when I deployed to Bosnia, I don't, if, if you're old enough to remember the news footage, which you are, the news footage yes. from, uh, they, so I was in one, one cab and we were, I was in that unit that went, we made the floating bridge and then we rolled into Bosnia from Croatia and the news was there and doing all this interviews and stuff. And our, our Colonel put the cab flag up on top of the tank and they played the flight of the Valkyrie as they rolled across this floating bridge. And, you know, he had the two pearl handle pistols and he's standing up there. The news is filming him. We're rolling from, from Zagreb, Croatia into, into actual Bosnia. And the tanks, you know, the tanks are rah, rah, rah. what they didn't show you was that the first vehicle across the bridge was the 88. The 88 went over there with the with the small little platoon of armed guys. And the 88 was taking sniper rounds from some of the, the Bosnian Muslims that were still shooting. And the guys were hiding behind the 88 on the other side because they were worried that a tank would break down while the news footage was happening you know <laughs> on the bridge and so they said we got to have the 88 over there so they sent the 88 over first like with just yeah, a small scout platoon on foot and so that if you if you i think you can still find it online but some of if you get the full news footage and you look across the bridge the 88 with its big towering crane is sitting on the other side as the first tank rolls across you know 
So it's kind mm, of a yeah. funny story. So I know what you mean. The, the, the mechanics, you got to have good mechanics. So, oh yeah, man. We, you know, we were always up front and it was, and I remember the first recovery um, mission we got, we had a, a, it was a car bomb. And, you know, they called me up, hey, we need uh, 88 out there. We need to move a vehicle. We got to recover some bodies, you know, all this. And I remember, I think I smoked like five cigarettes in like one minute. You know, I was, I was scared. I was nervous. I was all these things. And I had my E4 and I had an, uh, an E5. And I remember they were, they were going to ride out. And I get to see the, the look on the face. They were scared, you know, all these things. And I was like, I got to do something. And I just told my son, hey, get off. I'm going to go. I go, you know what? Right here. If anything happens to you guys, man, it's going to happen to me first. So let's do this. And then I just see my, my, my specialist, you know, my driver, he was like, yes. I was like, shit, we're going to go down together if anything happens, you know? So that was one of the things that I loved about my section. You know, they, they believed in me as much as I believed in them, you know? And it was just awesome to do that, set the tone for the rest of the year though. I mean, we were some badasses and, you know, going out there and doing what we did, it was, it was just awesome to see all that, uh, my unit do the extraordinary things, man, you know, and, and during that, uh, that tour, it was, just, I mean, it was just unbelievable. We did, we lost some guys, you know, and it was a sad thing. And, but yet, you know, just to see the awesome things that, you know, all these guys did together as a unit, making shit happen. Cause we were attached. We had a, a, a platoon of tanks with us. And of course we had scouts, mortarmen, uh, engineers, we had all these guys as, as a task force, of course. It was just awesome, and we did a great job over there. And Haifa Street was a very bad area, and these guys cleaned it up pretty good. Uh, we didn't have that much at the end when we left. We didn't have that much uh, bad guys out there in our, our sector, at least. So it was a good thing. Um, did, so, you, did you feel like most of the resistance was was it native Iraqis, or did you feel like it was foreign oh, players coming oh, in? What, what do you think oh, about so, that? Talking about that, so we were having issues on our FOB of, uh, I forgot what they call it. Uh, uh, they were not torturing, but they were uh, prisoners that, uh, uh, that were saying they were being abused on our FOB. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I've always been to that go-to NCO, you know. So we had this, I think it was the S2 guy, Sarn. Uh, our first class uh, i don't want to say his name and he had i knew him from another unit before or prior and he was like hey uh hey uh star Mike god you know hey can you come with me and you'll be like the qc if anything you know you feel that it's wrong you can say it's wrong so i remember we would have people from um who were those guys the russians were fighting the uh chechens 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 they had chechens uh, we had Syrians, uh, Iranians. I mean, we had all these guys. We had Palestinians. All these guys from all over the place. Just It was like a a group of, uh, you know, all the bad guys in the world. Yeah, yeah. so Al-Qaeda Al was, was famous for that, you know, paying mercenary Muslims across the world to come fight. Yeah. A lot of Chechens, right, in Iraq at the beginning, midway yes. through. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so that was crazy, man. So they, of course, what was going on was these guys were setting up bombs in, in neighborhoods and hurting the innocent civilians, but yet they were blaming it on the Americans. So then it was creating just a lot of animosity in there. 
So that's why you had a lot of people that didn't really like us there. But on the other hand, we were doing a lot of, you know, humanitarian things like building soccer fields, helping the, the locals. So, you know, we tried our best to show them that we cared and we were there for a reason rather than what the enemy was trying to say. Yeah, we were doing big propaganda to. war. Yeah, it was. It was, it was ugly, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we did a lot of good things. Seems like we were on our way out of there, but we're, we're, we're all, we're going back more now. It sounds like so. Yeah. Generational war We Brian and I talk about it all the time, how they're, you know, well, I mean, it, it, it seems like there are other bad actors outside of Iraq that are trying to keep us there. And that's why I asked about the foreign fighters. Cause it, it kind of seems like the way we treated the Russians in Afghanistan is a way that other countries are treating us in Iraq and even Afghanistan now too. So I always yeah. like to talk about that. That's probably a whole nother topic though, but yeah, it is. Um, you know, what's funny is that we, we would find some caches, you know, we would find like uh, some type of weapons such as French RPGs. That right. Were brand new. Right. Where they come from. Yeah. And later we would find out things like, you know, other countries were accidentally giving away their weapons so they can test them out on our stuff. And I don't know if that was some OPSEC stuff right there, but yeah, so that's what they were doing. They were, you know, trying to see if what, how their ammunition would work on our equipment. How, how the stuff stands up to us. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, that makes sense. Cause we lost it. I know I remember hearing about losing a couple M ones out there, which is supposed to be impervious. I mean, I've, I've seen one five, five rounds drop on top of an M one, you know, out at 29 palms, I've seen it. Right. And it just bounces off just like nothing, but we got, we got RPGs burning through, you know, tanks like that. Uh, what was it's happening? It's hard to hear. So what we noticed as well, you know, that on the RPGs, they used to have like a pin, I think at the head of it, where it would uh, like when it made impact, it would explode. Yeah. So what they were doing, they were keeping the clip in so it could penetrate some of the, like the Humvees and things like yeah. that, that we had. Because when we got there, we didn't have uh, like the up armored Humvees. We only had like a few, but the rest were soft skin, the scout trucks, yeah. Humvees, scout Humvees. So a lot of them, you know, of course, were like freaking butter. And then that's yeah. when they started pushing, you know, a lot of armor to us to use out in the sector. Yeah. For anyone that doesn't know, a Humvee without any armor is just a couple of aluminum cans worth of aluminum thick. So a yes. Humvee you see on the road out here is, just, if it has hard doors, it's a miracle. But for the most part, the body's all aluminum and fiberglass. So it, nine millimeter you go right through it for the most part yeah never oh, mind yeah, it definitely. explosive so mm-hmm. yeah when we were in bosnia we would take uh we would take sandbags like all the humvees the floors were filled with sandbags because there wasn't an up armored humvee <laughs> during bosnia but they were worried about all the ieds and and uh landmines that have been planted during their war um so we covered all you'd have three sandbags on, on the entire floor of the Humvee and the driver had his feet had to be like up, like you were almost like elevated. Nobody put their feet on the bottom of the actual truck because of that. Yeah. You know, and, and speaking of that, we were putting sandbags because we drove from Kuwait all the way to Baghdad and, you know, we were on soft skin vehicles and actually I was a gunner on one of the Humvees, uh, a cargo. Yeah. So we took the cargo off and I had a, uh, like a tripod. Um, and then I had a saw. But see, the thing is, we were putting like a metal plate at the bottom of the bed 
But here's the problem. When the IEDs would hit, it would penetrate that armor or that plate, and that plate would become shrapnel too. So it was just a lot of things we were trying and adjusting and figuring out things, how things were working. And then that's when they had that rhino. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you remember that. They would yeah. put like a, a, what was it, a glow plug, I think it was. And yeah. so it would heat it and it would set off IEDs so it wouldn't hit the driver or the vehicle at all. So, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of great things happening. You know, how we adjusted to things. That was just awesome, man. Yeah. All right. So you deploy, you, you know, I, I, I want to get to, I, I could sit here and talk army with you all day, but what I I think what our listeners need to hear is that you retire and what happens then that, cause I, I think that's what your mission is today. And I don't want to, you know, yes. I don't, I, I don't want to miss that, you know, cause if we start talking army, we'll this record, this episode will be five hours long and <laughs> We'll just be telling stories the whole time, but I want our listeners to hear your mission today. So, take us, take us to, you know, you you deployed a couple times. Now you've retired. You did your your twenty years, and and what where are you at from there? Take us there. Okay, so, you know, right before I retired, I went to the mental health. Right, I was like, you know what, something's wrong with me. Something ain't right with me. It's just I have a short fuse. I, I just I'm always pissed off. I'm drinking a lot, and you know the exactly what happened. Five minutes into my conversation with the psychologist, they gave me pills. Yeah. Like, Here you go. Yeah. So, and I was like, you know what? And I started taking these things, and I did not feel like an like the NCO I was. You know, when I would get to work, I, it was like, bam, you know, business. But I wasn't there anymore. So I retired. And I remember on my way home, I just was talking to myself like, man, you know what? All these people are going to be like breaking down my door, trying to get me to go work for them. It was just all these things. I had so much experience, but none of that happened. I was trying to do my resume. I was throwing my resume here, there, everywhere, and I was getting nothing. You know, I was going to like, we call it the one stop where, you know, for the, for the county, trying to get me a job, you know, you know, you got this guy that served 21 years, couldn't get nothing. So I started questioning my accomplishments. I started questioning who I was. And then, you know, worst of all, I started questioning my worth. And when I started doing that, I started going into a darker, darker, you know, time in my life. And I started getting depressed. And when I started getting depressed, I was drinking heavily, feeling sorry for myself, you know, sitting in my garage by myself, in this dark little corner, just drinking my life away. And eventually it got to that point where I just, I wanted to kill myself. I did not want to be on this world anymore. I want to be on this earth. And like I said, it's, I felt like a divine intervention that, that dark day. And I got a phone call. They were like, hey, we would like you to come to the school and speak about your military career. And at first I wanted to say no, but you know, something told me to say yes. So I agreed and I went to the school and, and I was sitting in the back and they when they were introducing me, you know, I just felt, man, I felt good. It was felt it good a, to hear that. Was it like a high school? Yes, it was a high school. And, and the students were high risk students, by the way. And so when I walked in front of that classroom and seeing the faces of those students, it reminded me of me, of who I was when I was sitting in that classroom and I was the one being quiet. I was the one that was afraid. I was the one that didn't believe in myself. I didn't, you know, I thought I was going to be nothing in life. In that moment, 
that's when I felt peace in my life, in my head, you know, and I felt, I felt that, that strength again, I felt that purpose, and I, you know, and best of all, I felt worth again, man, and I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be, this is what I'm supposed to be in life, and when I started talking, it is just like the smooth, you know, story, you know, all these transitions I was going through, just telling these kids, and man, it just felt, I was, it just felt perfect in my life. And that's when I figured out right then and there, this is what I'm supposed to do. And then ever since then, I've just been nonstop. And I remember after that, I was like, you know what? I want to be a speaker. I want to do this. And I remember there was like a slot in San Diego at the Del Mar Fair for somebody to go speak. And it was like for 10 minutes at the Del Mar Fair. And I would drive from where I was at two hours, mind you, two hours, I would drive to go speak for 10 minutes and drive two hours back. I did this for like five days straight, wow. just going on back. That's how much I loved it and still love it. I mean, I love this shit. So now I, what I do now is I do speak. I, I spoke at uh, Grunt Style Headquarters. I spoke to a bunch of veterans and cause I have a bunch of, you know, these, these um, stories about, you know, they're about my life and right. what I've been through and how I overcame right. a lot of things in life. And I share it with, you know, troubled youth, um, youth that's been through um, abuse and speak to veterans about the transitioning that, you know, whatever you go through in life, just don't give up, keep staying the fight and keep fighting and keep up the fight in life. Cause that's my, you know, slogan right there is keep right. up the fight. And as you can see, I have it on my shirt, which um, I sell on, you know, keep up the fight apparel. And this logo here represents my mindset. And what the mindset is, when I started going through those things in life, I remember closing my eyes and wishing that I was just this, you know, superhero, this person that can never be beat, you know, just, just full of strength. And I remember I would get this, this feeling like, man, just power. And then I would go through these obstacles in life. And that's what this mindset is. It's a Spartan warrior. Cause you know what? We all are, we are warriors in life. You know, we've been through so many things and the things that we've been through make us better. They make us stronger. They make yeah. us more. But the thing is a lot of people stay in that pain and that hurt, but they just never get through it. And one of the things is, is knowing that you have a problem and, you know, get through that problem, get through that healing and become a better you and become a better version of you and start pushing forward in life. Yeah. Go after what you want in life. Yeah. Man, I'm gonna... I think that's really important. And I, I think to kind of add to that a little bit is I think a lot of people take a lot of things for granted and I've had the opportunity to travel and I don't think people really realize how fortunate they are. You know, I, I don't want to derail what you said, but at the same time, I think there, there's something valuable about traveling to other countries. Like there, there are people around the world that literally have nothing, you yes. know, and where I'm going with that is I think for anyone that's feeling down, anyone that's feeling, you know, like they've been shit on for lack of a better term is like, yeah, maybe, maybe you were, but at the same time, look at what you have, like take inventory of what you have, be grateful for what you have and use what you have and learn from your experience. And I, I love that. And I've, I mean, that's happened to me a few times. Like there've been a couple of things that I really got down on, you know, in, in my own life. But once you've been to another country and see people that literally have nothing, you know, like they, right. they have no food, they have no shoes, they have no house, they have nothing and they have no opportunity, right? They have, they have nowhere to go. You know, they're either their government's corrupt or they're, the poverty is out of control or whatever it is. It's like, 
yeah, your life might suck here, but at the same time, you're still in America. And right. there's so much opportunity out there that it's like, you can really drown yourself in that, that sorrow. So I'm, I'm just saying that to reinforce what you said. And it's, I think what you're doing is really important. And I think you know, I, I heard a stat the other day that, um, you know, our, our country has become, and it's not everybody, but our country's become a bunch of infighting crybaby victims. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's not the land of our fathers and our land of opportunity anymore. And it's just this like, you know, this mess, right? But I heard a stat the other day that like, if you go into any country in the world and you go, okay, if I give you the opportunity to pack your bag this second, would you go to the United States? It's like 99% of the entire world would drop what they were doing that day, put, you know, their belongings in a suitcase and go to America, you know, because we're the ones that are starting not to, uh, or losing our appreciation for what, Mm -hmm you know, this country was founded on what this country, I, and look, I'll be the first to say it. I'm not perfect. And this country isn't perfect, but mm-hmm. it is to Brian's point. It is still the land of opportunity and it is still far better than, you know, the rest of the world as a whole, really, there isn't a better place to be. I mean, there's some nice beaches and stuff out there, but most of those countries you don't want to live in. You know, the people there would come and trade spots with you in a heartbeat. heartbeat. Oh, yeah, definitely, brother. And, and our schools and our government and our media are telling us to be victims. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, I, I watch Ernie on, on social media. And, and I think that's, you know, I, one of his strongest messages is don't be a victim. Nobody, you know, nobody owes you anything. And, and you're the one. I love it when you go, I wake up in the morning and I know I'm going to have a good day. You know why? because I'm going to have a good day. Like yeah. I control that day, you know, exactly. not, not, you know, not Facebook and not CNN and not, you know, some dude at the grocery store that pisses me off. That's I'm, I'm, you know, I love that about what, you know, our listeners will put out his, uh, his Instagram handle and stuff, but you got to follow Ernie on Instagram. He, his daily messages are just, I mean, it's inspirational. I mean, it's like, Oh, you know what? You're right. I, yeah, I, I don't want to go clean pools every day because that's what I do to make a buck. You know, it's like, but I'm going to go have fun doing cleaning pools because that's what I said I'm going to do today. You know, I'm going to have, yeah, it's 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 great you know, what you're doing. Be the best at it. Be the best pool cleaner you can be. Yeah. That, you know, challenge yourself in life. That's all it is. You know, because if we're not challenged, we become stagnant. When you become stagnant, you become bitter in life. And it's just like challenge yourself. Go after a better life. You know, and how do you become a better life? You know, a lot of people, when you say that, a lot of people are like, oh, money. Money is not happiness. Money is not. You know, happiness is being happy with who you are. That's where it is. That's where it starts. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. once you do that, you're good. Yeah. And you know what? I think part of that, too, is is taking a, a you know, a self-assessment and the people around you, you know. What, what are the, you know, I mean, we get on this, we're going to get on this soapbox and I know Brian's going to chime in, but the, the social medias of the world where we, we need social media, social media has a lot of good things that come with it. And it's, yeah. you get to stay in touch with people. I get to see what you're saying every day, Ernie, you know, mm-hmm. 
but then social media has that bad side, right? Where it's, you, you, you know, they're, it's telling us that we need to be this, look this way. We're t- and it's telling us, I mean, Facebook is, uh, it's crazy, right? Like the things that people say to each other on Facebook that you would never say to somebody to their face. You know, I've seen family members in my own family get into an argument on Facebook and say things to each other that you would never, you know, and it's, it's telling us constantly that we're not good enough. Our, you know, our situation sucks, you know, uh, you know, and I don't, you know what I'm saying? I just think that to your point, surround yourself with people that you want to surround yourself with. And if there's a, if there's a bad influence or a, whether it's a person or, or a, whatever, you know, you make the choice. I, I don't need that in my life. You know, I want to be positive. So I know Brian's going to chime in on the social media. Well, no, I, I was going to say is like, you know, one of the themes that I, I keep hearing from all the people we've talked to, it's like, I think social media and I think the world today is trying to tell people to be a certain thing. And I, what I think the danger is, is that you're being told that you have to be a certain way. You have to be this, you have to be that. But I think there's to your point, I think there's some freedom in just saying, you know what, I'm not a victim and it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what my job is. It doesn't matter, you know, what my title is. It it doesn't matter. I'm not living up to anybody else's expectations, but my own. And whether you have a minimum wage job or you're making a million dollars a year, it's, it's about rewarding yourself not in a selfish way, but it's about saying, I'm going to do the best I can for me. And I'm going to do the things that I want for my own reasons, not to make anybody else happy or not to live up to some expectation that somebody else has. And I think, especially in the military, I think people fall victim to that is, you know, I'm a Marine, I'm this, I'm that. And I think I even did that too. And you kind of set yourself up to these unrealistic expectations. And I don't mean to say that you shouldn't hold yourself to a standard, but at the same time, you can take it to the extreme and well, well let of, it be your standard yeah right you know Not you want societies yeah exactly you you know do do the things that you want and I, I don't want to sound like i'm telling you to be selfish but at the same time it's like if you're trying to compete with people on social media or you know you're trying to be a good soldier a good marine it's like chances are there's always going to be somebody better there's always going to be somebody better looking there's always going to be somebody richer there's always going to be someone that's a better pt stud whatever it is but you got to be happy with who you are because that competing with other people for the sake of just social media credit is it's dangerous and and the the algorithms and stuff on social media just feed into it and it's it's horrible and it it eats people up you know and and i cannot i can't imagine being a young female today and growing up in the world that that is telling females to be a certain way today i mean there's a lot of it going on for a lot of different demographics, but I think being a young woman today with all of the shaming that goes on and the, and the bullying and the, you know, it's gotta be difficult to wake up and think I don't look like that. Well, nobody looks like that, that, you know, they've got trillions of dollars and they got a chef and they've got a doctor and a filter and, you know, Mm -hmm. they're getting plastic surgery every 10 minutes. Yeah. You're, you're 11 years old, you know, or you're 15 years old, you're not going to look like that. And it's okay not to, you don't want to look like that, you know, it's, you know, a a lot of these kids too are like, you know, if I don't have a certain amount of followers, then I'm not good enough. I'm right. I'm not not at that standard. It's like, you know, I do what I do because I love doing what I do. 
and I can have one person follow me and I'll still do what I do. That's just yeah. what I believe. But that's, I think that's the important part is you're going to be successful and you're going to be genuine because you're doing it for the right reasons. You know, I think exactly. somebody like you, it'd be real easy to say, you know what, I'm going to start a new career and I'm just going to be this character of this inspirational speaker. But deep down, I'm only going to care about the likes and the followers because then I can convert that into a salary, but you're doing it the right way. And that, that's oh, what's great about you just, what you're doing. You is just made a great point, Brian. It's not for Ernie, Ernie's not a character. He is a yeah. character. You got to watch him. It's, it's awesome, but he's not playing a, a role to right. get, yeah. to get clicks. He's not doing the clickbait. But, but ultimately being genuine, the way you do things, that's going to pay off in the long run, you know, because you're, you're, you're a good person. You're, you're, you're trying to motivate people. You're doing your best to, to elevate other people. And, and that's whatever you want to call it, karma, faith. I mean, there are a lot of things you can call it, but ultimately you're doing it the right way. And it, it, it's awesome to see what you're doing. You know, you represent everything we talk about on the show and, you know, I, <laughs> I'm gushing a little bit, but you understand what I'm saying? Like, I love what you're doing and you're doing it for the right reasons. Um, I and I, I think it, it really resonates with people because you're, you're super relatable. You have a great story. Um, and I, I know people out there are going to love, they're going to love hearing about you. And the one thing I would say is for people out there that, that are listening follow Ernie, but uh, tell five of your friends or 10 of your friends to follow him too. And if you got someone out there that, that needs a little kick in the pants, um, you know, have them follow Ernie's page because it's, he, he's doing awesome stuff. And if you can go to one of his speeches or his, his talks, if you can, um, it's it, some people just need, you never know what people are going to respond to. And, you know, I'll just say from personal experience, like I had a friend of mine, actually he was a Marine. Um, like I he told me one time, he's like, hey, man, you're getting too heavy. You, you got to do something. And it was one of those things. It was like that simple act of him telling me that from the point of being my friend and being concerned about me. was like, you know what? He's right. I am getting too fat. And right. I honestly, I found an app on my phone. I mean, this was on iPhones or just kind of coming around. And it was like just him saying that. And it kicked me in the ass when I needed it. And I lost a ton of weight and was able to change careers awesome. just because he pushed me in the right direction. And I'm not saying that like to brag or anything, but I'm just saying that for other people out there, if you know someone that you're worried mm -hmm. about, you know, it, it can be the littlest things that push them in the right direction. And, you know, just pay attention to your friends, pay attention to yeah. your coworkers, you know, people that you serve with. If Yeah. Right. You know, you know, by you saying that, you know, that's not bragging. That's just showing people that it can, can be done. Yeah. And one of the main things that I believe in my heart is this, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, what do you talk about? It's not, I don't talk about things for me to be heard. I talk about things to show, show you and tell you how powerful you are and what yeah. you can be. It's not about me. It's about you because everyone has the potential. You just got to apply it and put yeah. the hard work into it. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, you know what the the um, the body, the human beings have. The, you know, it, it's it's really amazing what our our minds and our bodies can accomplish if you want mm -hmm. to accomplish it. And honestly, to our point, there's not a better place on the planet to be able to reach your full potential. There's places on the planet that, regardless of how smart you are, or how athletic you are, or how beautiful you are, that that doesn't matter. 
you're put in a role and that's the role you are. There's places on the planet like that. Yeah. America still today is, you know, you can maximize your potential if you want to, right? Make the choice, change your life, you know, do whatever it is you want. We talk about this every episode. If you want to lose weight, wake up that morning and today I'm going to lose weight. I mean, and these are the steps I'm going to do. And then, you know, and don't kill yourself if you accidentally eat a honey bun today at work, like I did, but you know, don't kill yourself for that, you know, uh, and, and just make the change, make your, you know, make the decision, you know, that that's what I think you're trying to get across is, is it, again, it's about you. You don't like your situation, change it. Do right. something about it. Yeah. And I think the one thing that I want to add to you is like, you know, whether, what, whatever you're trying to do in life, don't be afraid of failure, whether it's a business or oh, whether it's, it's health, you know, nobody is perfect. There's no entity. There's no person that's ever been perfect, no matter what. And no matter what your thing is, whether it's sports or anything, pick an, pick an athlete, right? You know, Kobe Bryant, I, I know he had an infamous reputation for practicing constantly, right? you know, how many, he didn't make a hundred percent of the shots and he was probably one of the better players in the NBA, you know, yeah. Michael Jordan, you know, pick somebody, even the best players in the world don't make every, every shot, right. Baseball, right. <laughs> Some of the best players have an at batting average of what 300, 280. So that's less than a third. You know what I mean? So you're not going to, you're not going to succeed if you don't fail. And all the, all the most successful people in the world have failed and they failed big, but well, it's not a reason to stop and it's not a reason to, um, to move forward, you know, in, in some ways, if you're not failing, it means you're not trying, you know, and now maybe that sounds counterproductive, but no, no. Well, here's my thing. You learn from failure. When you learn yeah. from failure, you become a better version of yourself. You're learning and growing. Mm-hmm. There's growth after failure, but the, the decision is yours. What yeah. are you going to do with that failure? It's, are you going to feel sorry for yourself? Yeah. Or are you going to, you know, learn from it and grow? That's all it is right there, you know, and the thing when you're talking about life, you know, there's this uh, phrase that uh, I'm putting into a speech where it's, it's life is not about perfection. It's about effort. Yeah. Bam, right there. Yeah. Yep. And just to add, I mean, we're kind of, we're all saying the same thing, but you know, you, you want to surround yourself with people that are in a position where you want to be right. If you want to lose weight, don't hang out around a bunch of people that like to go to buffets, right. If you want to stop drinking, you might have to kick your friends to the side that go out and drink every night, right? You know, or drugs, whatever it is, or people that are that are just toxic, right? You know, someone else came up with this quote. I forget. I don't even know who it was, but Jim Rome or somebody. But it was, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah, and, that's true. Yeah, he's you know, and it's it's one of those things. Like if you don't have five people in your life that you want to be like, then maybe listen to five different podcasts, right? I hope it's, I hope it's ours. I hope it's nothing owed, you know, um, but a lot of information out there. Yeah. You know, there, there's so much opportunity out there to, to change your life. Um, you know, and somebody else said to you, and I, I try to live by this, like you want to be the dumbest person in the room, right? Oh you yeah. Know, that, that's kind of crude, but if you really think about it, it makes sense because if you're the smartest person in the room, you don't have anywhere to go. Right. But if you're the dumbest guy, you're naturally going to, try to elevate yourself. I mean, if you have any self-worth, you're going to try to make yourself better. You're going to try to bring yourself up to be like mm-hmm. those other five people in that room. That's um, right. And it, it doesn't matter what it is, if it's business, if it's health, you know, and uh, 
that's why that's why I love what you say. You know, it's it's all about that. It's about just taking that step. It's one step, right? One step at a time. And like life goes by so fast that if you just keep taking one step every day, it's going to be a year, right? And if it's weight loss, if it's health, if it's whatever, before you know it, you're going to be a year down the road and be like, oh my God, look where I've done. Look what I've done. Look where I've gone. And then yes. you've got that momentum. You've got that ball rolling and it. You know, I'll use a podcast as an example for anyone that's, that's thinking about it. Like I struggled with starting a podcast for about a year. Like I was writing notes and reading different things and like, Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I never did it up until the point where I said, you know what, screw this. I'm going to pay for the, the hosting service. I'm just going to pay for whatever I need to pay for. And I'm going to buy a microphone and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to reach out to other people. And I was working on something else and came across another, well, be careful what I say, but <laughs> I was working on another project and just happened to meet someone that wanted to do the podcast. And then it kind of snowballed from there. But had I not put myself in that position, right? I may not have got this off the ground. And I met Ben that way, you know, and it, it's something simple. It was, I reached out to him and it turned into an awesome relationship, you know? So it's just putting yourself out there, putting yourself around other people that, that want to elevate you. You know, it's, I, we're kind of beating a dead horse here, but I, it's so great, important. Great action, you know? great, great action. Yeah. So you're getting me excited. You're getting me motivated. I like this. This is awesome. <laughs> I hope, Hell yeah. I hope everyone out there feels the same way. Cause I, it's, we, we can't stress it enough. You know, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you want to do. The tools are out there and you just yeah. got to do it. You know? So, so Ernie, we ask every guest that comes on and you, you know, I think this whole episode has been a, a lot of this advice but we've at, we ask every guest um before they leave to to tell us if you could tell our listeners that want to make a change like what's what's one piece of great advice that you could give i think you just gave like 50 but but in in a, in a sentence right like tell our listeners like if you could if, if i was standing in front of you and you could give me one piece of advice about making a change starting a business you know whatever it is what would that be my main thing and what I live by is to be better than yesterday. It's all about how bad you want it. And that's where it's at right there. Don't give me excuses, give me solutions. Just move forward, keep moving and always keep up the fight in life. Bam. There you go. Keep up yeah. the fight. I love it. Tell, tell, tell our listeners where they can find you on Instagram, what your website is, um, you know, Tell us that so they can hear. Okay, Always. so you can find me on Instagram, Facebook. Um, what else am I on? YouTube. I'm all under Ernie Mariscal. Um, Ernie Mariscal. Um, e Mariscal90 is my handle. Um, Keep Up the Fight Apparel. It's a website. You can find all my t-shirts on there. They're all inspirational. And the thing about my shirts, it's all about that reminder to keep up the fight in life, you know, whatever you're going through, just keep up the fight, keep going forward and, you know, send me messages. I'm always available. I'll reply to them, you know, and this is what I love doing. I love doing this stuff. Yeah. You know what? I think we should start introducing you not as an inspirational speaker, but as an inspirational warrior, because you're, you're fighting, right? Keep up the fight. Yes. I think it's inspirational warrior. I mean, you, you were, you were a soldier warrior, uh, and I think now you're just fighting for, for people. So I love it. I appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate same here, brother. Thank you.
Yeah. Well, we could talk for hours, but I want to be respectful of your time. But uh, I'll just throw this invitation out there. You're welcome back anytime. Uh, Appreciate that. Obviously, Ben and I love what you're doing. So if there's anything we can do for you, you have the doors always open for you. Thank you. Anything you need, we're here for you. Um, So just to close out, thank you. This was an awesome episode. We really love talking to you. Uh, Thank you for having me. Hope to have you back again soon. So I'm going to sign off for tonight. So for uh, Ernie, for Ben, this is Brian uh, saying goodnight, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show and we will uh, will talk to you all next time. All right. Bye, everybody.